Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Unheard. I'm Freddie Sayers. During this difficult Ukraine-Russia conflict, it's hard to find voices that we can trust, uh, information that we know to be secure. Uh, one person who we really hope will shed some light and unique insight onto what is going on is an independent journalist called Leonid Ragozin, who is Russian but has been a journalist for the likes of the BBC for many years and has recently left Russia, fearing, I suppose, for his personal safety. He joins us now from Latvia. Hi, Leonid. Hello, um, many thanks for having me. You've written uh, publicly about how you got it wrong about how you, what you thought would happen or would not happen, did, um, and that many of your assumptions you've now changed. So it's, it was sort of honest and, and brave of you to talk about that. I wonder, could, could we rewind time for one month or six weeks and tell us what you thought the world looked like back then? Uh, yes, I was, I was wrong about... Um... And not not envisaging, not believing that this uh, invasion was going to happen, uh, despite uh, the United States government and American intelligence ringing alarm for uh, for three or four months since since the early November. Um, and uh, I guess there are two two levels there. Uh, one sort of uh, collective and analytical. Another one is is uh, personal. Um, at the collective level, I, I think I was no different from. Uh, many uh, Russian pundits, uh, many experts in the journalistic community and in the uh, in the think tank community, uh, people who I still uh, believe to be the the best uh, Russia experts, uh, who uh, did not um, did not believe in Putin doing it. Uh, maybe uh, my assumption is because they uh, knew Putin too well. We assume that we know Putin's patterns. We know the logic of his behavior. We knew that he was um, um, he was becoming kind of uh, increasingly menacing and uh, increasingly unhinged. Uh, but still, uh, anything he was doing, most things that he was doing, uh, including the poisoning of Alexei Navalny uh, and uh, the um, uh, the intervention in Ukraine uh, during Maidan Revolution, the occupation of Crimea, and the and how he launched the war in uh, in Donbas. Uh, that uh, followed some logic, 
and uh, it 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 was bringing him uh, at least the the intervention in Ukraine. It was bringing him very uh, concrete uh, uh, political dividends in Russia. Uh, so what he did now defies logic, and uh, it uh, um, fundamentally uh, it, uh, it defies our uh, perception of Putin uh, as a rational person. I mean, he's he's quite definitely quite definitely rational. So so basically, what uh, what, what happened is that uh, we are. Uh, we worked on the assumption that uh, he's going to make a, a rational decision, uh, that there is a game of escalation, and in this game of escalation, uh, finally one of the sides in this you know, uh, game of chicken, uh, finally one of the sides will uh, um, uh, shift and blink and uh, go away. It will be either Putin or it will be the, uh, the Ukrainians and their Western allies. Uh, but then they just collided uh, full on. And yes, I, I couldn't expect this, and uh, uh, many of the other analysts couldn't expect this too. What do you say to people who've been watching this for years and who think that it is rational in the sense that, you know, he, he stated that the sort of NATO coming uh, so close would be unacceptable to him, the kind of, you know, as he sees it, historic claims on that part of the sort of Russian sphere were always there. And, and you can find statements of his in the past that have kind of made quite explicit that this might be part of the plan. So is it so irrational and unpredictable or, or has he actually warned us about it? From the Russian perspective, and um, I don't think uh, people appreciate it enough in the West, um, this, this war is the first and foremost uh, fratricidal. Uh, and uh, Putin and everybody in his entourage uh, understands this really well. And in that sense, uh, this is this is quite suicidal. Uh, they are bombing uh, Kharkov, uh, a city uh, located uh, 400 kilometers away from Moscow on the Russian border, a completely Russian-speaking city, uh, a city uh, that is that has multiple connection uh, connections with Russia. The, uh, you, you can find all those videos um, on, on the internet of uh, um, apartment blocks being bombed in Kharkov. And those apartment blocks, uh, all those uh, families and uh, um, in, in their flats that have been uh, bombed out, that have, have been burned, uh, that have been burned, 99% uh, of these families uh, have uh, relatives or uh, friends or some kind of personal stories in Russia. Um, to give you some examples, um, uh, a, a pilot was captured by the Ukrainians today, uh, and he told the um, he was interrogated, and he told the name of the general who was uh, uh, ordering the strikes on Kharkov and um, places around Kharkov. Uh, and people checked out his biography, which is available online, and this general was born in Kharkov region. He was born in one of these towns, the town of Chibuyev. Uh, which is uh, which he now uh, orders to be bombed. Right. So, so do you mean you mean part of why you thought it wouldn't happen was the close, the very closeness that Putin is talking about, that it's so inextricably tied into Russia, means that this kind of full-on assault you just thought was inconceivable. Well, exactly. Uh, if you remember, and uh, this is this has been very often quoted uh, as an example of uh, Putin's imperialism. Uh, he, he wrote this article in um, last summer, 
uh, where, where he basically stated that Russians and Ukrainians are one people. Well, by his own logic, he is now uh, killing, murdering uh, his own people. And it, it registers with Russians. There in Moscow, it's in Bisbergia, everywhere around Russia, you have people born in Kharkov, born in Odessa, uh, people who have grandparents, sisters, brothers in all those places. Uh, so yeah, it's um, uh, there's um, there's an element of political suicide there. In those clips that are coming out on social media, you can almost sense that with civilians approaching soldiers with a kind of familiarity and speaking the same language, and the, perhaps part of the reason they're being so bold with these soldiers, even though they're armed and in full combat gear, is there's a sense that they're from the same place. Uh, especially Ukrainians. Uh, especially Ukrainians in eastern part of Ukraine where the fighting is going on. They have all been to Russia. They, have, they are all connected to Russia in, in, in this or other way. Uh, so yes, it is, um, in that sense, it is uh, completely unthinkable, unimaginable. And, uh, uh, and there is really no way Putin can sell it to, to Russians. So the other reason that you were so skeptical if we are still trying to kind of imagine where we were six weeks ago, was that you didn't have much confidence in US intelligence. Uh, and that's where a lot of this, these claims were coming from. They were being stated by US authorities without much proof that we have it on solid intelligence that an imminent invasion is planned and you just didn't believe it. Is, is that fair? Yes, exactly. Uh, I've been observing uh, the Ukrainian conflict uh, since uh, 2014. Uh, since, since when it started, um, I was uh, I was in Kiev during Maidan revolution, uh, and uh, I watched uh, the beginning of the armed conflict in Donbas in in the spring of 2014. Um, and uh, my, my initial premises um, uh, were, uh, I mean, looking back at it, I think I was not critical enough uh, about the West and about um, uh, about Ukraine. I was uh, in hindsight. Uh, I think I was uh, a bit too enthusiastic uh, about all those things, and it uh, showed in in my writing. I had this impression of the West being, you know, uh, first of all quite monolithic, and uh, and also a force of good. Uh, but then, uh, then of course, uh, with with the Ukrainian conflict, it kind of uh, gradually was it was it was becoming clear that. Uh, um, there is this hawkish community in, in the US and Britain, uh, which, um, uh, which I don't want to be aligned with, basically. There is a kind of lobbyist party in the West uh, which uh, lives uh, in uh, symbiosis with Putin's regime. Uh, they uh, feed on each other uh, anger and hatred, and uh, they uh, essentially promote uh, conflict, promote escalation. Uh, it's, it's not about um, sort of uh, um, equalizing them. The, uh, the crimes, the war crimes committed in Ukraine now uh, are squarely committed by, uh, by Putin's uh, dictatorial regime. And um, Western countries are democratic. And uh, overall, uh, I believe they are pursuing uh, peace and, uh, and democracy. Uh, in the former Soviet Union, uh, but um, it's complicated, and there there are many there are many different actors. So because of that, then you 
you felt that those reports that coming out in the past year about this imminent invasion were maybe suspect? Particularly on the intelligence side. Uh, what what um, influenced me? Um, I, I guess, of course, I was, uh, I had at the back of my mind, I had an Iraq uh, dossier, uh, which which was basically false. Uh, and, um, and then, um, as well, uh, I had this whole Russiagate uh, situation, which I knew much more about, uh, and the steel dossier, you know, the P-tapes and so on. That that influenced me. Which were false? Um, yeah, which which were false exactly? Yeah, and they were uh, they were produced by you know people from the British intelligence and from the American intelligence, uh, and uh, and then when you read about their sources, yeah, or this these people who practically made it up and who weren't uh, you know any high level sources in Russia, they were just you know some guys of Russian origin based in America. So that's that's how it happened, and that uh, influenced my my assumption of this uh, new intelligence uh, uh, material that was uh, that was fed into the media by Biden administration. Um, so it's a combination of factors. Uh, this uh, the idea of Russia uh, invading Ukraine on this scale uh, seemed unthinkable for the reasons that I described uh, previously, and then the the source of those ideas, they, I mean, the, those sources were, in my opinion, quite uh, discredited. And yet it turned out, Leonie, didn't it, that the British-American intelligence on this occasion was exactly right. I mean, it was stunningly accurate. No, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely surprised by this. Uh, it's uh, obviously, quite obviously, it will change my uh, perception. I want to know more about this intelligence, and uh, I guess uh, uh, historians or journalists uh, will come up with uh, with something. I've I almost have a suspicion that uh, Putin, the Kremlin, were feeding those plans to the Americans uh, in you know in in their game of uh, coercing Ukraine and making the Americans trying to get Biden coerce Ukraine into implementing Minsk agreements. I mean, alternatively, I guess it's a sign that the Putin regime is cracking slightly or that there are elements within it that are not loyal to Putin himself. And maybe they're the sources for some of this intelligence. It, it, maybe there are really quite high level sources within the Kremlin that are feeding the Americans this information. Uh, maybe, absolutely. Uh, um... I mean, we will probably uh, learn about it, uh, more about it in, in the next weeks, uh, months um, or years. Uh, but um, uh, the, the, there were some symptomatic um, uh, incidents, uh, like the way Putin treated uh, the head of foreign intelligence, Narishkin, uh, at this uh, memorable meeting of the Security Council where he basically announced the invasion. Yeah, he was looking unhappy, wasn't he? His facial expression was showing uncertainty and Putin kind of slightly batted him aside, didn't he? Well, yeah, it, uh, it looked like he, he was not completely on board. And um, other officials, uh, uh, they, they were also dodging direct answer and uh, uh, they didn't seem to be completely on board. So what's going on in this um, extremely non-transparent group of people who, uh, who are making those criminal decisions on behalf of Russia, uh, and Russian people, um, it's um, it's it's an intrigue. It's very. I, I would like to know what what is happening there. So let's fast forward to kind of today, as it were. You've obviously been watching 
the events unfold on a day-to-day basis. What is your assessment now? What do you now to believe to be the, the end game as far as Russia is concerned? I don't really believe in Putin being, you know, a KGB guy as as uh, as the fundamental um, pattern and uh, fundamental feature of his psychology. He is more of a 1990s uh, gangster type from Saint Petersburg, and in this um, uh, gangster world of the of the 1990s Russia, um, uh, the the main thing was to be. Um, well, as unhinged as possible in terms of in how you escalate, you have to go to the very limit and you have you always have to outdo the your, your rivals in 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 this game of escalation. Uh, the Russian term for this is atmarozek, uh, someone who is frozen out, like someone who is uh, devoid of any feelings. Uh, so many people like a who, kind of poker. Um, Poker game, almost the poker face. Yeah, quite a few people uh, talk about Putin as uh, someone who uh, has no barrier of fear, uh, somebody who who can um, who can uh, escalate endlessly just because he's he's not he's not afraid of it, and that's a very dangerous psychological feature, especially when we are talking about a person who is in charge of uh, one of two largest nuclear arsenals in the world. When he look, uh, he 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 threatened he threatened uh, this invasion uh, in Ukraine, and I basically thought it was a bluff. Uh, he now threatens nuclear war. Well, uh, I I mean uh, I don't think I'm in position to 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 say. It. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which is a bluff now. It probably isn't. Uh, especially the, considering the suicidal position he put himself on within Russia, within Russian society. How far could he escalate then, do you think? I mean, obviously, there must be a limit at some point. I mean, one potential limit is the actual capability of the army on the ground in in Ukraine. You know, if it if it continues to suffer the losses that are reported, it seems, you know, it seems to be a very difficult ongoing campaign if they're planning to occupy the whole country. Is that one limit that he might come up against? I'm not sure. I'm not sure he has a limit, to be honest. Um, I mean, there is there is, of course, the limit uh, uh, with regards to what, of what you mentioned, uh, the cracks within the regime. And uh, Putin is not alone. He's part of a group of people. And uh, those people, um, they, they have different interests. And um, as, uh, as those intelligence reports show, uh, some of them might be even colliding with the West in some way. Um, so, uh, so who knows? You mean that you think that one potential outcome is, is some kind of palace coup? The regime, uh, this political regime, grew out of conformism, and uh, you you'll find many people uh, in within the regime, particularly on the propaganda side, uh, who were Democrats and liberals in the 1990s and well into into the noughties. Uh, so, uh, and Putin himself, uh, I wouldn't call him an, an ideological person. Uh, if um, if Russia were properly uh, ushered, invited into the European Union and NATO in in uh, in the late 1990s uh, and the early 2000s, uh, he would make a perfect Eurocrat, I believe. Uh, just that in this in this fork, uh, he chose uh, to go that way. Uh, the West chose not to, you know, press on Russia being integrated. It, it decided that it would be better to uh, get uh, the neighbors of Russia on board, which led to, you know, Russia's uh, alienation and isolation. So do you think that was a mistake, can I ask? I mean, do you think that's the missed opportunity that we should have actually invited Russia in back in the, after the communist era ended? Look, I'm not a historian. I'm, I'm tempted, I'm seriously tempted now to kind of end my journalistic career and become a historian. Uh, a new, new, new sort of history um, expert, uh, because I want to figure it out. It's a question for me. Uh, yes, I do have a suspicion uh, that um, that the West contributed um, in in a big way to uh, to turn in Russia in what it is now. That uh, it kind of created this uh, Frankenstein that it is dealing with. Um, uh, one example that I can give is. Uh, uh, is an article um, in Commerçant, an op-ed in Commerçant newspaper in 1999 uh, by the then Moscow mayor uh, Yuri Lushkov, in which he said that uh, he was talking about uh, NATO expansion. Uh, and he said that uh, uh, NATO expansion will probably lead to Russia's isolation, uh, to the emergence of authoritarian trends, uh, to, to Russia be basically becoming an authoritarian state. So back at the time, Yuri Lushkov was Putin's rival, and he was seen by Russian liberals and the West. He was seen as a hardliner, as an anti-Western hardliner, exactly because he was opposing NATO expansion. Putin at the time 
was seen as a liberal figure, as a protege of Boris Yeltsin. He was supported by Russian leader, uh, liberals. He was supported by the West. Who turned out to be right? It was Mayor Lushkov. Looking forward, we are now where we are. The Russian army is within Ukraine. The West has responded with these huge punitive sanctions on the Russian economy and much else. What do you see as the kind of the next step? What should we be doing now? Do you feel like the, the Western response is the right one or do you feel it's too strong or too weak? Or what would you like to see happen? I'm, I'm seeing a, a very, an extremely broad um, spectrum of possibilities uh, and, and outcomes uh, that we could see in, in the near future from totally apocalyptic to, uh, to you know, quite, quite positive. Um, instinctively, uh, because, because my, my, my personal conviction is that uh, there is, uh, the, the war is always the, the worst solution. Uh, there is nothing worse than the war, and um, any um, any mm, poor uh, organized pieces is best is better than war. Uh, so instinctively, I would say we we need to be looking for off ramp for Putin and and also for the Ukrainian leadership, which is which kind of also took took part in this in this game of chicken and chose to uh, put up a fight against Putin rather than agreeing to uh, to to Minsk agreement. What. Does that mean, though, because at the moment, the European countries are sending lethal weapons to Ukraine, which obviously makes them stronger and more able to prolong and resist the Russian attack. Do you support that? Or do you, are you of the view that that is just make, making things worse? I was against that uh, before the invasion started because I was, um, I was thinking that it would um, contribute to um, making the invasion more likely. Um, I'm sort of I'm, I, I'm yet to um, analyze sort of whether that was right or wrong, and uh, we will see whether it contributed uh, contributed or not. Putin claims it did. Um, now uh, I'm seeing that uh, it's not just the Ukrainian leadership; uh, it's the entire Ukrainian society that uh, that basically thinks that uh, it should fight uh, the Russians, and. Um, uh, on that, um, uh, I think I'd be, uh, uh, I'd basically show solidarity with with the Ukrainian society. If they want it, uh, then they because as as victims of aggression, I think they are right. Um, they're right to do it, and uh, therefore, if they they keep fighting, they're fighting for a good cause, and then the the West uh, is is right to supply those lethal weapons. Uh, to them. In other words, we're now in a situation because the Ukrainian people want to fight and because they've been attacked, it feels morally right to support them with weapons, in which case that battle is going to go on for potentially a long time. What, uh, what we were lacking, basically, I think in the last 30 years since the collapse of the Soviet Union, we were lacking the West as, a, um, as an adult in the room. Um, when, when it comes to, to the situation in, in the former Soviet Union. When former Soviet Union came out of this uh, totalitarian prison, they were confused, I mean, especially the Russians, but Ukrainians too. Uh, and um, and so I don't think the West was, was acting as an adult in the room during uh, the, the, the role that was expected from it uh, by the Russians, by the Ukrainians uh, in the 1990s and, and now as well. Uh, so, yeah. I'd expect some responsibility, and uh, uh, 
Uh, and yes, responsibility, uh, and I'm seeing it now. I mean, the, the way, uh, especially the way the French president is acting, uh, the way some uh, some other Western leaders are acting, uh, trying desperately, trying to 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 phone Putin as as, uh, as often as possible, uh, trying to get a solution, um, talking to the Ukrainians, trying to fill out uh, uh, whether uh, whether they they would agree to. Uh, to some sort of uh, settlement that wouldn't be satisfactory to them, obviously, but uh, a kind of uh, peace that wouldn't be satisfactory to Putin as well. Presumably, the very minimum Russia would accept would be a redrawing of the map of Ukraine with eastern parts and maybe some other parts lobbed off. And maybe they'd want a change of administration. I don't think the Ukrainians are going to accept that. Well, I, I guess both, both sides are... Um, have chosen to uh, sort of uh, sit it out and see what's going to happen. Uh, the Ukrainians are hoping that uh, uh, the Russians would exhaust their resources, their military resources, their economic resources. Uh, that uh, within Russia, thanks to the um, uh, to the Western sanction, uh, the economy will collapse and uh, people will go into the street and protest this war. It could happen. I mean, that's that's a strategy. That's uh, that's uh, something to 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 work with. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the, the Russians are obviously hoping to um, to capture the major city, to uh, to basically destroy the Ukrainian state uh, and put put the Ukrainians on their knees, uh, um, oust the Ukrainian government out of Kiev. Um, it is quite obvious that the, um, the 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 main attack or one of the two main attacks is is focusing squarely on on capturing Kiev. If that first scenario happens which is obviously what the West hopes happens, which is that the military attempt is kind of gradually weakened, with it becomes sort of loss of morale among the troops, maybe there's a loss of political support for it within Russia as more people die, protests increase and Putin's position becomes vulnerable. At that stage, what does he do though? Is he more likely to escalate again? If what you say is right, that he is a kind of 1990s St. Petersburg gangster, and you put him in a corner like that, what does he do? Yeah, it's it's a binary option. Uh, he uh, he might acknowledge that uh, uh, the force he is confronting is uh, overwhelming, uh, basically stronger, and then he might to uh, start seeking seeking agreement. Our problem is that we are not inside Putin's head, and we don't know how uh, how mental he is, and how suicidal he is. But let's just. As a thought experiment, let's fear the worst. And let's say that he does feel cornered, feels weak, he wants to double down again. What does that look like? That looks like letting off a nuclear bomb somewhere to show that he's willing to do that. Do you think that's a feasible potential outcome? And would the military even do that if he ordered it? Basically, the, the answer from the uh, military experts from the nuclear weapons expert is that nobody knows <laughs> and that's that's a bit of a scary thought maybe maybe there is there is somebody else who is uh, who is checking maybe not maybe it's putting long it's a state secret uh, so uh, so we don't know there we, we're dealing we're dealing with some extreme uh, uh, extreme uncertainties which uh, which don't only concern the lives of uh, Ukrainians and Russians, and concerns uh, our lives uh, uh, in uh, uh, in Europe, in, in in Western Europe, in America as well. Let me end by asking for your kind of personal 
reflection on this because you're you were born in Moscow, you have been a kind of Western-facing correspondent for Russia and Ukraine for your whole career. You literally wrote the Lonely Planet guide to Moscow and Ukraine. These are places that you know and love. How do you feel seeing the changes that we've seen in the past few weeks? Is are those worlds now gone forever? Do you think? Yeah. Well, I'm. Um, I'm. I'll be honest to say that I'm kind of. I'm mortally horrified by the, this whole thing. The very cities and towns that I was uh, that I was covering. Uh, like Kharkov or smaller places like Krasnodarsk uh, in northern Ukraine, um, they are either being destroyed by uh, Russian aviation, or they are being occupied by the Russian troops, the Russian flags uh, uh, there. So um, for me, it's it's a, you know a brave new world, uh, which uh, uh, and I don't I have no idea how it's going to play out because uh, there are two far too many uh, uh, spontaneous factors and uh, personal factors now. Uh, you, you would not, uh, I, I don't think any of the historical patterns or political patterns that we, uh, that I know from my experience as a journalist, uh, they quite apply here now in this volatile situation. The most tragic thing uh, about Russia is that uh, towards the end of Putin's regime, Towards the end of uh, what Russians know as Putin's stability, uh, Russia was uh, as close to the West in terms of lifestyle uh, and in terms of the quality of life as it has never been before. Uh, it was in many ways uh, a country, if you, take, if you take away the political part, uh, in, in terms of the structure of society, the texture of society, uh, the uh, the lifestyle of society and uh, uh, the culture. Russians were part and parcel of the globalized Western culture. In all of these terms, Russia was ripe for completely ripe for integration with the West. More ripe than it was uh, in the early 90s, when uh, a majority of Russians were in favor of uh, very close integration with the West, and when there was a a chance for the West and Russia to uh, to basically avoid all those um, uh, tragic situations that we are facing now. So that's the 2000s you see as the kind of the, the decade which could have gone the other way. Putin's uh, two decades of Putin's rule uh, are quite interesting because the uh, politics uh, uh, was deteriorating. It was becoming an increasingly more authoritarian state. Uh, but um, uh, society, uh, society was uh, recovering from the totalitarian trauma and from the trauma of the 1990s. And it was uh, the, um, uh, the living standards were comparable to the poor um, uh, um, parts of the Eastern European Union. Um, culturally, it was all, you know, Netflix and uh, coffee shops. And now we've got Netflix has left. The luxury brands have left. Google, Apple no longer function within Russia. It's hard to see how that's gonna come back anytime soon, isn't it? Not exactly. Um, I, so one of my friends wrote, um, hello darkness. Uh, hello darkness, my good friend. Leonid, it's a, it's a dark and bleak note to end on, but, uh, but thank you for sharing your thoughts. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Thank you to Leonid Ragozin, uh, joining us there from Riga. 
He is someone who has seen both sides of this conflict in the sense that he is deeply embedded in Russia and Ukraine. He literally wrote the travel guides to those countries, Western facing. Uh, he has worked for Western outlets like the BBC, but he also uh, feels very close to his country of birth. And you can see there just how sad he seems about this, what he calls fratricidal conflict and the cities that he knows so well in Ukraine gradually being destroyed. Uh, a, a sad conversation, but I thought a really insightful one. So thank you to him for joining us. And thanks to you, this was Unheard. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.